You're listening to the Dogaritaville Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Lily. We are two dog professionals with two different styles, two different backgrounds, and two common goals. To drink delicious margaritas and talk about dogs. Welcome to Dogaritaville. Welcome to episode 19 of the Dogaritaville podcast. Today we are talking about if you're hot, if you're you're a hot mess, if your hog (laughs) dates visitors. Today we are talking about if your dog, that is a children's (laughs) book. If your dog hates visitors. Okay, let's try that again. Today we are talking about if your dog hates visitors and drinking hibiscus themed margaritas. And we are already like in such in such a mess right now. We're already off the rails. Full disclosure, I just got back from vacation and have not done a damn thing in about ten days. So it'll be interesting. And she's already finished a whole margarita. Listen. <laughs> For every episode, each of us does our best to create a delicious margarita around our theme. We post the recipes on Instagram, kind of. Haven't done it lately. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So you can try them at home. Let us know if you have an idea for a theme. Our recipes always differ, so you have some variety to choose from. Um, Somebody asked me today for episode or um, podcast recommendations for like getting a new puppy, and I literally recommended a different podcast before ours. I was like, ours was is it good, canine but it was it canine after it two? was because I'm going to punch you. It was. I was like, That's ours a- is good, d- but theirs was better. Yeah, I do refer that to people a lot. <laughs> I did mention ours, but I just mentioned it second. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. All right. Um, our first segment is going to be a rant, which I'm going to introduce, even though I don't normally do the introductions because <laughs> this is Lily's rant, and I'm not going to lie to you on the script. It is. A solid page and a half. (laughs) And it is great. (laughs) Okay. I was really fired up like a half hour ago when I wrote it. And now I don't feel prepared. So like, let me get angry really quick. (laughs) Okay. So here's the deal. (laughs) So here's the deal. (laughs) All right. Okay. Here's my rant. Here we go. I do not know what is in the water lately, but so many people have been reaching out and asking questions about their dog resource guarding. And every single time lately that I've gotten this question, when we go over the history, they always say something like, I did everything that I was told to do to prevent this. And I ask like, well, what were you told to do? And it's always fucking swapping games. I don't usually pull out the F word until I'm more drunk later in the episode, but I'm so (laughs) angry about this. It's driving me nuts. So as always, it's important to say I'm not judging the average dog owner because it's not your job to know this. And also, every time this has come up, I've been told that it's on advice of a trainer. So, I mean, I definitely don't blame people for taking advice from a dog trainer. But what the heck is with... (laughs) These fucking swapping games. I don't understand. So I, I don't I don't even know like what it what is a swapping game? Like basically if they have something, you give them something else to take what they have. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked because that's my next bullet point. Uh, I don't know how to read. <laughs> I don't actually look at these scripts. No, it's okay that you didn't read this. It's a lot a lot of text. <laughs> I, I just looked at the length and laughed. Yep. Um, okay, so here's here's what it is. Apparently, a lot of excuse me, <laughs> the puppy is pissed off that she is not getting swapping games. <laughs> you want to play swapping games? Okay, so apparently, a lot of trainers have you play swapping games with your dog when they're a puppy to quote unquote prevent resource guarding. And a swapping game is a game where you take something from your puppy and give them something of higher value in return. And the idea behind it is that your puppy will learn that when something is taken from them, they get something better. So in the future, they will like having things taken from them. And I have a huge issue with this entire premise. Is is your issue that you shouldn't take things? Yes. Look at you. Okay, That's my next you. fucking bullet point. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are we taking things? You're doing it. 
Okay, so that is my first. I'm smart. My first point. First of all, why? I'm about to sound like a crotchety old <laughs> geezer, but when I was a kid, we understood that dogs were dogs, and we understood not to go near the dog when she was eating her food or to take her toys away. And so why is it all of a sudden so important to take shit from your dog? Like, why? Like, the only reason I can think is that that this might be something you need to do is if they have something in their mouth that they shouldn't have. And if that is happening often enough that it has taught your dog to resource guard, then you have a bigger problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Your dog amen. has way too much access to things it shouldn't have access to. Yeah, I feel like that's, uh, it kind of reminds me of, I don't know what episode it was a few weeks ago. But uh, when, in school when I was doing the behavior portion and they were like, oh, well, we do nose-to-nose dog intros because that's real life and they have to be able to handle it. And it's like, I feel like this is kind of the same premise where it's like, well, sometimes I need to take things from them and they just need to tolerate it. And it's like, no, bro. I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to grab things from your dog. You should be able to do that. But you should never have to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) At no point, none of my dogs, that's a lie. Most of my dogs (laughs) do not resource card. Um... But even whether they do or not, it doesn't matter because it never fucking comes up. Yeah. Like, I don't ever take anything from them. Even if it's something dangerous that they can't have, I'm not taking it from them. I will distract them and get them away from it or or something like that. But I'm, I'm not taking anything from anybody. Right. Because it's fucking rude. <laughs> rude. <laughs> it's fucking rude. So my other issue with this whole entire premise is that you do not control nor can you know what is most valuable to your dog. So like we can guess, like I would guess that a bully stick is of higher value than a used tissue and I'm probably correct, but I don't know that. And so I can't know for sure that I really am trading up with my dog, which ruins the entire premise of this game. And sometimes, by the way, the highest value thing in the world is to keep what they have and not have it taken from them. So then if we're playing swapping games, we're effectively creating a resource guarding dog and not preventing it like we're trying to do. So it sounds well, like I'm really angry at people who are playing the games. I'm angry at the people who are giving this advice. Stop giving this advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, too, it creates a bad premise because, like, so essentially your dog never learns to drop it. Or give it up. Like, you're basically just telling them you only have to listen if I have something better. Or, like, only if I give you something. Like, that, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that premise of, like, you only do something if I have something to offer you. Sure. Right? I mean, like, I mean, I wouldn't expect a dog to give up something unless I had something better for them. But, like, I'm never asking them to do that. Like, like you said, I'm always just, like... Tell, like telling them that there's something better over here and they're like okay yeah and they just come over yeah i think it's just the premise of like always having to swap doesn't sit well with me because sometimes you know if you're walking your dog at the beach and they grab something i don't know why we're at a beach but we're at a beach <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're in full vacation mode <laughs> If you're walking your dog and they grab something and you don't have some, if you don't have anything on you, like they still need to know to drop it or have some sort of like, there has to be some sort of other protocol. Sure. But I mean, usually when you're teaching drop it, you're doing it with rewards and then like that transitions yeah, but as they so grow that, up. that they learn to drop. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, so I think wouldn't teach that's it. the yeah. premise of this too is like during puppyhood, you teach them that like having things taken from them is good because you're giving them something higher value but yeah i would argue that my dogs don't resource guard because they don't have shit taken from them yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so which brings me into the last little part of my rant here because i was like well this was like a really good rant but now i should tell people how to actually do it so that they're not like okay like now what Uh. Uh, so we'll go ahead and do that so rule number one is i don't want my dog to ever have any idea that i give one single shit about whatever they have in their mouth at all like Mm -hmm. that is like rule number one they should not have any idea that they that i care what they have we should not be putting focus on what they have because that just increases value of the item and shines light on the fact that it's being taken away like yeah so that was one of the i was trying to figure out oh i'm already a little tipsy so i was trying to figure out how to articulate it but uh that was one of the things as we were talking that i kept thinking was like the second that you react to them having something you've already lost yes like 
because then they're like, oh. So that was something that came up. Uh, Charlie, his whole life, has only played with one toy. Uh, and so when I hired a trainer, when he started having issues, I was like, he's not going to play with the Kong. He doesn't like Kongs. He doesn't play with anything except this toy. And so my trainer grabbed a Kong and started like trying to hide it from him and being like, oh, this is mine. You can't have it. You can't look at it. And of course, instantly, Charlie was like, what's that? I want it. What is it? (laughs) And it's that exact same thing. Mm -hmm. The second that you're like, what is that? What are you doing? Then they instantly, and you can see it when it happens too. You see their whole body go, oh, yeah. (laughs) So earlier today, actually, I didn't even think about this when I was writing this down, but earlier today. Sasha, the puppy that I have here for Puppy Head Start, she grabbed something. I don't even know what it was. Like maybe a, my blanket had fallen on the floor or something. And I just like grabbed her squeaky toy and I like held it up at my chest and just started walking away from her and squeaked it once. And she was like, oh, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you leaving? Well, and especially too, because a lot of the times, and this doesn't really have anything to do with swapping games, but... um Dogs, especially if they're bored and not getting enough interest, they they learn very quickly that if they grab shit they're not supposed to have, they get a lot of attention Mm. and it turns into a fun game. Mm -hmm. So they'll do it intentionally. And that's what I run into all the time is they're like, yeah, he knows he's not supposed to do that, but he grabs whatever he can find and then starts running around. And I'm like, well, are you chasing him? Because that's why he's doing it. (laughs) Well, and that's a good like. You know, if we had a little vocabulary book, like the phrase he knows he's not supposed to means he knows I get mad when he does this. Like, yeah. And so if you're getting mad and that's the only time you're giving him attention, then he is going to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, and that breaks down to I give him a lot of attention right. because that's what getting mad at your dog is. Yep. <laughs> exactly. I try to explain to people all the time. Like, I'm like, they don't give a shit whether you're furious or elated. Like, it's all the same to them. They're They're getting attention regardless. So whether you're screaming at them or praising them like crazy, it's all attention. Yep. Because they're toddlers. Yep. Um. So there's that. And then we already touched on this a little bit, but my other tip was to remember that management is a huge piece of any sort of dog training that you do. And so you should be managing things so that your dog is not constantly stumbling upon opportunities to have things that they should not have. And I was real steamed when I wrote this. So I wrote, I wrote this whole piece about like those of you with kids, put those contraptions on your cabinets so that your kids can't get into the cabinets. And then you sell your houses to me and I unscrew all the contraptions because I'm not any smarter than the average toddler and they're very hard for me to open. But anyways, the point is that you understand the concept of management. So do it with your dog. And on those occasions when you didn't manage properly, which happens to all of us, rely on your recall. Build a solid foundation of recall for your dog so that they always love coming to you even in the middle of distractions. Recall's my favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And finally, um, another piece of advice that someone told me they got from a trainer to prevent resource guarding was to stick their hand in their puppy's food bowl. Stop doing that. Oh my God, all the time. Don't do it. That, Don't do that it! That won't work. Let your fucking dog eat their fucking food in peace. That's it. <sighs> there it is. You shouldn't have left off with that because now I'm annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> why Why would you do that? All right. Now that we're nice and mad, <sighs> let's take a break. <laughs> and when we get back, we will talk about whatever this episode's about. <laughs> she doesn't know. I don't know. That when was it for me. When we get back, we're... <laughs> She's done. She quits. Uh, When we get back, we will talk about what to do if your dog does not like visitors in your house. Yeah. Woo. Did it. Woo. Margarita check. Yours looks very different than mine. (laughs) It does. (laughs) Is yours pink at all? Nope. Why? How? Oh, I can't wait to hear how you made it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, she, she did it the hard way. I did, but it's really yummy. So first I made hibiscus concentrate. And I went to like a spice and tea shop and I bought dried hibiscus leaves. And boiled them with water and put some agave in it. And now it's a hibiscus concentrate bougie it's good it's really tart (laughs) um so i did three ounces of tequila and three ounces of that concentrate two juice limes 
And then I shook that with ice and strained it into a margarita glass and I didn't do any rim or any garnish. And I'm very happy with it. It's yummy. It looks like red wine. It does. It's super dark. It looks like blood. Ooh. <clears throat> um, so I took the easy way out because I'm lazy and I don't know the first thing about finding hibiscus flowers. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I just did two ounces of tequila, one ounce triple sec, one juice limed, and then just two ounces of pre-made tea, um, which is not as flavorful and is not as colorful because it's essentially clear. <laughs> Uh, and I did some agave too because it is very tart, and I thought it was me. Uh, so when <laughs> I'm you glad say, yours was tart. When you say pre-made, do you mean like you bought a jar of tea? I yeah, I bought a bottle of of uh, I bought two different bottles, uh, and one was something. I took a picture of it. <laughs> um, so I did my first one that I just finished was. Uh, tea of a kind blood orange hibiscus yerba mate whatever that means uh, <laughs> and that one was actually pretty good I noticed once I let it sit for a while it was definitely better and then the one that I just made was just with um, I think it was mango hibiscus tea oh yummy um, yeah it's alright I'm not mad about it uh, it's not very flavorful because obviously tea is mostly water. So right. <laughs> the concentrate is definitely the way to go. Uh, but it's good. It is very tart, which I thought was not, was not what I was expecting for sure. Uh, and I think the mango hibiscus tea definitely is a lot more flavorful. So. Okay. Yeah. I've- we'll see. I had I had intentions of, of being creative, but uh, I didn't. <laughs> I think making a margarita with tea is pretty creative. I don't know. I kept looking at recipes and they all said to do the concentrate with the flowers and hibiscus flowers did not come up on my Instacart. So that was the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just hate going to the store. I thought that hibiscus might be sweet. I don't know, but it's not. It's I was too. Tart. I was totally expecting it to be sweet. I like it a lot. Yeah, I haven't added agave in quite some time, but I had to. It was necessary, but it is good. It's nice because it's uh, it's kind of nice just because it's like a little bit of a <clears throat> um, just like an easy flair from the typical uh, lime margarita. Like if you just yeah. have tea at your house or whatever, gives it a nice little zhuzh, 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 <laughs> zhuzh. <laughs> Man. All right. <laughs> Moving on. I'm going to turn on the lights really quick. Let's get in, Doc. I like your glasses. She just took off her headphones. She didn't fucking hear me. I literally watched her take off her headphones. I like your glasses. Are you talking to me? I said I like your glasses. Oh, thanks. All right. Script. Go time. Let's start by talking about why our dogs hate visitors. Now, it's important to note, some dogs are reactive to visitors because they are so excited to greet the, the visitors that they get like frustrated. And that is not the dog we're talking about today. We are talking about dogs who genuinely dislike people coming into the house. And before we get started, we are not possibly going to be able to go over every single scenario. Dogs are individuals. And if your dog has this issue, you need to hire a trainer to come and help you in home. But hopefully we can demystify things a little bit for you to start. So, Lara, let's talk about some possible roots to this issue. I like that every single episode we now say hire a trainer, (laughs) which is very important. And I agree with it. Um, So there are a couple things to consider initially if your dog doesn't like visitors. Um, for me, I like to think of it in term as, as to whether or not they're being offensive or defensive. Um, so if they're being defensive, that would be where they don't like visitors, but they aren't going to act on that dislike unless they run out of options. 
So for instance, if the visitor forces themselves on the dog by petting them and they feel cornered, then they might snap or growl. But as long as the visitor doesn't get in their space, they're just going to be upset about it in the corner or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas offensive dogs is going to be more of an intent to harm, Um where they would snap or growl at a visitor regardless of any interaction. So even if that person was ignoring them, right? Uh, Or you'll see that sometimes um, the dog solicits attention from the visitor and then snaps at them. And they're like, well, he asked for attention. That would be considered offensive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Those aren't the only options, but that's kind of the, the simplest thing that I could break it down to, I guess. Uh, without overrunning everybody with vocab lessons. <laughs> um, so those aren't the only options, of course, but for the sake of time, we won't be too all-encompassing. Um, personally, I don't get too hung up on the why, uh, which is where me and Lily tend to differ quite a bit. <laughs> Obviously, it helps you if you know. Um, if you do know, then that's great. But the fact of the matter is we need the behavior to stop regardless of why the behavior exists, right? Um, so... In my experience, too, I think it's important that most dogs that don't like visitors, generally speaking, and again, not not every dog, but generally if the dog doesn't like visitors, they're also not very social otherwise, right? So it's important to change your mindset that visitors are the issue uh, because the issue is usually an unsocialized dog, not visitors, right? It's not like, and again, generally speaking, Most dogs aren't super social and friendly to strangers outside of the house, but very specifically hate visitors coming into the house. It's possible. I wouldn't say it's common, but I mean, like, generally speaking, that dog just doesn't like strangers. Not so much that it's visitor specific, right? So I'm going to pause you right there because I want to argue that a little bit. Um, (laughs) But I think uh, especially right now, like with people getting dogs during the pandemic, I think that that is just going to be different than usual. So like you're probably right in general, but right now um, I think that a lot of dogs are getting used to like being at home all the time with their people and not having anyone else come over. And so then when someone does come over, it's like weird and they kind of don't like that. And so my newest dog, Indy, of course, used to be a stranger danger dog and we've done a lot of socialization outside the house and she feels so much better about people now like she runs up and sits for pets and all the good stuff but we've never had visitors in our home since she's lived with us because pandemic and then my mom came and stayed with us um, like a couple weeks ago and indy had a really hard time with it initially and she warmed up and got over it because she generally has a good feeling about people but like she she kind of panicked when there was someone weird in the house did your mom just walk in or did you do intros outside we didn't do intros outside because i wanted to see (laughs) how indy would handle yeah you wanted to see the the reaction yeah yeah yep um i think that if we had done intros outside that would have fixed a lot of the issue but i just kind of wanted to see what would happen because i know a lot of my clients are probably going through the same thing so yeah for sure yeah i think the pandemic definitely changed things but i would also argue that you know you said it yourself indy was a stranger danger dog yeah so, I mean, she she was unsocialized, which is kind of my point. Um, and obviously, I wouldn't expect that to translate into the house because, like you said, we can't practice into the house. Right. Um, but the root of that issue would still be that she was unsocialized, not visitor specific, right? You've just worked on the outside thing and not the inside sure, thing. Sure. But we did have to work on it separately, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. And that's that's a, actually a really good point. Uh if regardless of what the root issue is or what the whatever, whether your dog hates people in public but likes people in the house or vice versa or whatever, or they're just unsocialized completely, circumstances matter. Yeah. <laughs> so you maybe you got them to warm up to people in the house, but out in public they still get overwhelmed, which is probably what I see more often. Uh, again, not so much now, but... Um, whatever they get comfortable with first is great but you still have to do both like they're one does not solve the other yeah totally um which brings me to my next point in that you have to manage them (laughs) zero exceptions i don't know why but literally every single client that i have ever had that has a dog with visitor issues does not manage the dog (laughs) (laughs) 
like, oh, well, you almost bit my friend once. And I'm like, okay, so what do you do when visitors come over? Oh, we just ignore her. And I'm like, but she's still running loose around the house? Like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I don't, I mean, I'm not saying put it, locking them away is not the answer, but I mean, either separate them or have them on, or something. Like, you have to do something. Yeah. You can't just keep letting them have complete freedom with no control. That's, that's how we got here. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, management is like always the first step and people hate it because they just want like yeah. the answer to be like a, an so overnight weird. fix. But like while it's, you're working on fixing it, you have to make sure that nobody gets hurt. So sorry. Yeah. It's it's very weird. Um, So yeah, management is 100% has to happen. No questions asked. Um, And it is possible to work through. So like I said, hiding them away in the back room isn't the answer. It is sometimes. Like if it's a service person that you're obviously not going to subject to your dog. Um, But to state the obvious, like Lily said earlier, you should hire a trainer. (laughs) Um, You can probably see improvement working on it with yourself. But visitors is a super complex issue. And my biggest problem with it is that there is just so much liability attached to it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes, even if you have a small dog, um, depending on where you live, obviously the laws are all different, but if your dog bites someone and they seek medical care, animal control will show up at your house and your dog will have to be quarantined. Um, even like regardless of any such, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it broke skin, anything like that's, that's what's going to happen. If they didn't break skin, I don't know why they would seek medical, but you never know. People are fucking <laughs> weird. Um, and if your dog gets one quarantine, it's on their record forever. So if something happens eight years later, it's still going to be their second strike, right? Um, So for me, that comes up a lot just because most of my dogs have bite histories. Uh, So if they have even one small incident, it it could be their last. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And yeah, I know we all like to think that like, oh, my friend's not going to report me. Well, if your friend needs medical care, they don't really have a choice. Yeah. Um, so the, just management is super essential, even if your dog's not that bad and they're just nervous, you know, we all have our breaking points, <laughs> some of us more than others. Uh, um, so just management is really essential. Even if your dog's just nervous and would never actually do anything, I would advise you to put it on leash or behind a baby gate or something like that. So, um, yeah, manage your dog. Manage your dog. God damn it. <laughs> All right, so there's some information about what might be at the root of the issue if your dog hates having visitors. We'll take a break here, and when we get back, we will talk about potentially what we can do about that situation. Margarita check. Laura, how's your hibiscus tea margarita? I like it. I definitely think the honey, or not the honey, the mango one is a little bit more flavorful. <clears throat> and I did put lime garnet. So I juiced the limes in the hand juicer. Uh, and then I just chopped up one of the juice limes for garnish, which is backfiring because now every sip I get like lime splooge. <laughs> Gross. It's It's not enjoyable for me either. That's filthy. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what else to call it. Lime. No, that's the only word for it. Splooge. Okay. Splooge. There it is. (laughs) How's how's your blood? My blood is great. I love it. It really does look like red wine. It's freaking me out. Yeah. It's um, super dark. I'm happy with the color of it just because I'm kind of a macabre sort of person. And so I like it. (laughs) But uh, it's tart, and I like tart things, and I'm happy. Now, oh, I didn't even think about that. This must be your jam. Mm-hmm. I like it. When I was on vacation, somebody asked me what the best margarita we've done is. And I think I said the blood orange. Oh, you didn't say watermelon? Oh, I forgot about uh, watermelon. Blood orange was pretty good. I think I like blood orange mostly because it was the prettiest picture, though, I'll be honest. <laughs> Yeah, watermelon was pretty bomb. We need to redo watermelon. Oh, my gosh. We got so... For spring. Yeah. So drunk. All right. It was fucking delicious. So and now cool. I have a muddler. 
I've grown since then. Um, let's see. This segment doesn't have a title other than do the boring stuff first. So, <laughs> which we already covered. So, you know, no, we did. No, I'm starting way back. Um, so regardless of the problem, we always start in the same place. Uh, and that's making sure that your dog is getting enough physical and mental exercise. Um, which I feel like we talk about a lot, but I also feel like we don't talk about enough because literally no matter what the issue is, whether your dog eats babies or (laughs) whatever, uh, the first question is always going to be, what's your dog's exercise routine and what's their mental exercise routine? Um, that's, you can't do anything else unless those are fulfilled, (laughs) just period. Um, and then we jump to how is their basic obedience and how well do they listen outside of the problem area. So like in this instance, I'm assuming your dog doesn't listen to you when there's visitors around because they've already been triggered, but do they listen to you when nobody else is around? Because usually the answer is no. Uh, (laughs) and if we don't have these things covered, then we can't move on. Um, so if your dog's not getting enough physical exercise, if your dog's not getting enough mental stimulation and your dog doesn't have any basic obedience or listening skills, doesn't matter what the problem is. You have to do those first. No exceptions. <laughs> Which is also a, like a constant among all of our training advice, basically, is like, yeah, start with the basics. Well, because people don't like they just they get so stuck on my dog hates visitors or my dog hates dogs or my dog hates this or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, but the root of the problem is that your dog gets no work and has zero training. Right. <laughs> like, so that's, I mean, if, if you do those things, then that's going to solve a large portion of your issues. Absolutely. And I have said it before, but I will say it again for any new listeners. This advice literally changed my life when I first adopted Mooney before I became a dog trainer Laura gave me this advice and it just totally changed my relationship with him because when his needs were met beyond just the basic like food water shelter needs just our relationship was so much better it was just easier because uh you know spoiler alert his needs were met so (laughs) (laughs) well because it's super like that's just not how the average person thinks of dogs Right. right yeah which seems crazy to us, but, like, dogs are our job. So, obviously, we think about it a little bit more. Yep. And at some <laughs> point, the average... at, at some point in both our lives, it was not crazy. Like, that's, you know. Yeah. Right? It's just how people think. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where you're going to start regardless of the issue, but especially if your dog has problems with people in any shape or form. Um. And one big thing I wanted to point out, and I wasn't sure where to put it, so I'll just put it right here, (laughs) is to never force an interaction. Whether your dog seems better or calmer or whatever, don't force them to say hi to someone. Because even if they seem a little bit calmer, they're still probably not comfortable. Um, And they'll make it pretty obvious when they're ready to make that interaction, right? Um, So yeah, never force any interaction. Um, and then starting a little bit more basically in my experience, and again, not always, uh, (laughs) but in my experience, I would pretty much always start with the front door, right? Because that's where all visitors come from. Um, and I've noticed a lot of my clients, if they do walk their dogs, they don't necessarily use the front door. And to me, that's a real missed opportunity. What do they Uh, do? Because we can like go through the garage. The garage. Yeah. Yeah. Out here in the suburbs, <laughs> every everybody goes in and out of their garage because uh, we have to drive everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, so it's just habit, like if you're taking your dog out for a walk. Um, so, But the problem with that is that that means the front door me- only means visitors. Mm. And especially if your dog has an issue with visitors, then we need to kind of change that, right? Um, so for me, that's just a real missed opportunity if you're walking your dog but not using the front door. Uh, Because we can build a lot of respect and obedience around the front door in a less volatile situation by teaching them sit stays and boundaries around it. Um, That'll translate those skills when visitors happen. Obviously, there will be some backtracking and stuff like that. But if we could build those skills around the front door when there's a person on the other side, we already have the foundation built, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
So I usually start with sit stays at the front door um, with the end goal being that they hold their sit stay while I open the door and the door is wide open. They still hold it um, until they get their release cue. Um, So if you don't know what a release cue is, it's basically just uh, mine is free. So I ask them to sit, I ask them to stay, I open the door all the way. And then when they give me eye contact, I tell them free. And that basically means, okay, you're done. Yeah. Um, and we can move on with our day. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, it's going to be a different story when there is a person on the other side of the door. But again, we have to build that foundation in easy mode, for lack of a better term. Um, and then graduate to, okay, now there's a person on the other side and we have to do the same routine. <laughs> Um, and then the other thing that I run into a lot with dogs that have an issue with visitors is the doorbell. So a lot of the times, uh, the doorbell is the bigger trigger than the person. Um, and so anything that comes after the doorbell is basically just them seeing red, right? (laughs) The doorbell goes off, they get agitated, everybody loses their shit, but then we level it up by having there be a person there, right? Because most people nowadays... Your doorbell's going off all the time because Amazon, right? Uh, (laughs) Unless you're me and you disabled your doorbell. Uh, (laughs) um, But so if your dog goes apeshit at the doorbell, that's where we have to start, right? Because if your dog has an issue with the doorbell outside of visitors, there's going to be an issue no matter what, right? So we have to work on the doorbell before we can work on visitors or at least in tandem, um, which is really difficult, especially if you have multiple dogs. The doorbell is mother. Very fancy but. use of the phrase in tandem. I love it. <laughs> I didn't even write it down. That was off the top of my Just head. Just came out of your noggin. You know, I've been reading a lot this week. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me smarter. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, the doorbell work is my least favorite kind of work, and it sucks. But you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Uh, luckily, nowadays, most people have uh, ring doorbells, which you can set off on your phone, which does make your life a little bit easier. But Oh, nice. I'm. <laughs> what are you doing? He's dancing like an idiot. She's not talking to me? No. Oh, my God. I laughed all over again today when I went back to go find your rant and saw the side piece thing again. <laughs> it got me all over again. <laughs> I didn't answer him for like five minutes because I just couldn't. I was like laughing so hard. It's the greatest thing I've ever <laughs> So maybe we'll put this in the tree pouch. But my husband, my husband is... Um, you know, he's a 33-year-old man, and he's a, an adult and very responsible and all that stuff. But he was homeschooled, and sometimes that just, like, comes through <laughs> at, like, weird times. <laughs> and the other day, we were just sitting doing something, and he just looked at me, and, like, with with just all pureness of heart, like, completely seriously, he was like, <laughs> he was like, what is this side piece? Is that, like, a gun? And I just, like, <laughs> stared at him and started laughing. And he was like, you know, like, if you, like, holster your gun on the side, like, that's your side piece. <laughs> just... Adorable. Uh, especially much. if you have ever seen Scott. He also looks like a little teddy bear or something. <laughs> He's adorable. He does. Um <laughs> just the cutest thing i didn't even know that he was homeschooled i just thought he was really naive (laughs) (laughs) just the cutest yep he's been like i don't know if anybody that doesn't have a cold black dark heart like me is amusing (laughs) he's been like working out a lot and trying to eat better and stuff and i'm kind of trying to discourage him from that because i think he's so cute when he's punchy It's not really my style, bro. <laughs> I don't want to see a single ab or I'm out of here. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Okay, back to this. Back to this episode. <laughs> Sidetracked. Um, okay, so it looks like you are going to cover this a little bit more in depth, so I won't go too far into it. But 
Um, I would start working on general reactivity in controlled situations that are much less difficult for your dog than having an actual visitor in the house. Because if they are overreacting to visitors in the house, that's usually like a really big deal to them. Like it's like a difficult one to work with. And so my guess is that if your dog hates visitors, then that's not the only situation in which they're overreacting to something. And maybe it could be one of the precursors to having a visitor, like Laura said, like the dar- like the doorbell or uh, a knocking dar- sound, <laughs> the darbauer, <laughs> um, or like knocking on the door or footsteps on the porch or whatever. But maybe there's something that your dog is overreacting to that's a less difficult trigger than actually a visitor coming into your house. And you can start working there and lay a foundation for a more difficult situation of having a visitor in the house. Yeah, so, I mean, like Lily just said, I would start working on socializing without pressure. Um, So, obviously, every dog, like we said, is going to be different. Um, But a lot of the times, working outside of the home and starting at a distance, we just can start walking them in a calm area where they will have plenty of space and come across people, but there won't be any sort of interaction. And then we can graduate to a busier environment with no contact and then eventually graduate to calm, controlled interaction before translating it back to the house, right? So when, when you say socializing um, without pressure, do you mean like without pressure to interact? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, generally I would start going someplace that has like a lot of space, like a slow park um, where I always have an escape route. Um, so that they get used to seeing people and dogs at a distance. Um, but it's at a big enough of a distance that they don't become concerned. Um, and then as they get used to it, depending on how they do, we graduate to like a busier park or maybe an outdoor shopping mall or something like that. Um, and then we'll graduate to like me saying hi to people, but not having them engage with the dog at all. Hmm. And then graduate to very controlled, okay, now try to say hi to my dog. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And obviously, it's very strategic and it's very, very managed. Um, But you still have to start with what feels like to most people stuff that's not work, right? Uh, And again, some dogs uh, outside of the home aren't going to have that same issue. Um, But I'd be willing to bet that... Uh, even if they do well at like a bigger park with less interaction, if they have an issue with visitors, they're not going to take kindly to you having a conversation or people at a shopping mall trying to say hi to them, right? Sure. Because it's it's the same instance for the most part. They might be better or worse at the house, but um, it's essentially the same act, right? So um – The more that I try to type out advice for this, or was trying to type out advice for this, the more that I just wanted to emphasize that you should hire a trainer to help you and check out our episode about how to hire a dog trainer if you need help. Because we've talked about how to start working and giving a lot of, we've given a lot of good advice about that, like how to start working with less distracting situations. But the step after that is a little bit harder to do on a podcast because it all depends on the dog. Like you need to do a bunch of troubleshooting and observation and figure out how, you know, if it's realistic that they'll ever like visitors or observe what makes them comfortable or, you know, whatever it is and come up with a plan that works for your needs and the needs of your dog. But I will say that in most cases, part of the plan will be giving the dog options, like leaving spaces for your dogs to be where they don't need to interact with the visitor, but have the option to, which could be a room of the house or an open crate or an open pen or whatever. But at the end of the day, I think that choice is always a really powerful tool. And that is, of course, huge caveat after you have worked with a trainer to make sure that everybody is safe and comfortable and done all your management and all your responsible stuff. And if your dog is overreacting to visitors, the solution is not to immediately throw visitors into the home and just leave a crate open. You have to work up to that, most likely. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of leads me to something I wasn't really sure... I wanted to dive into, but seems to kind of fit now, um, is the introduction of visitors. Uh, Again, every dog is different, right? So I've had clients that as long as I meet the visitor outside and we go like to the corner and back and then walk in the house together, there's no issue. Mm -hmm. Just meeting them outside of the house makes all the difference. I have other dogs that if I put them in their kennel and then let them out once the person's inside, that's totally different. But if they're out when the person walks through the front door, that's not going to work. Uh, (laughs) 
Um, and then I have dogs that just no matter how you do the introduction, they just don't want that stranger in their house, right? Um, I've even had clients that if I introduce them to someone and have a visitor come in, they're fine. But if their parents are home, that's not okay. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, there's a thousand caveats to that. Um, but you basically, and that's part of why we say hire a trainer is because you have to figure out what your dog needs to be successful in those greetings, right? Yeah. Um, because what worked for Olive is not going to work for Peter and what works for Peter isn't going to work for Doobie and so on and so forth, right? Um, and then, yeah, like Lily said, I think choice is super important, but there's a huge caveat of we're not just seeing what happens, right? Exactly. (laughs) We're, We're giving... We're giving them choices when we know that they are set up to not be able to make bad choices. Yep. Like, we're giving them options after we've showed them what the options are. Like, the options are you can, like, calmly, quietly, nicely greet this person, or you can lay in your crate comfortably with a toy. Like, those are your options. And once they know those options and have been trained, they can pick. But it's not like a person's coming inside and my dog can do whatever they want because then you're going to get a bite. (laughs) So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even even the kennel has its own caveats because a lot of dogs will feel more trapped if they're in a kennel when a visitor is around and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's a whole, again, I mean, there's nothing that we could say that's like, do this. This is the protocol, right? Because your dog is not my dog and my dog is not your dog. Yep. And Lily's dog is not his dog or whatever, you know, <laughs> like yep. they're, they're all completely different. And uh, same thing as we talked about with like reactive dogs and everything else, like you could work a hundred reactive dogs. You could work a hundred dogs that don't like visitors. You could work a hundred unsocialized dogs back to back, and every single one is going to be different. Yeah. Even if the protocol ends up being the same, it's going to be slightly different. Um. So just keep that in mind because I think too a lot of the times what happens in these situations. <sighs> this should have been my rant. Is the fucking doodle? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna burn uh, him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a lot of the times what happens is when people have trouble, they're like, oh, you know, my dog, this, blah, blah, blah. Everybody has a fucking opinion, right? So they're, oh, just let me in. He'll be fine. Oh, he'll be fine. Just let him out. Let him out. People say that to me with Doobie all the time. And I'm like, bro, this is a hundred pound dog that's attacked someone. You think you're the fucking dog whisperer? Like, what the (laughs) fuck do you think's going to happen? No, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Not that I give a shit about your dumbass, but like I'm not setting him up to do that. Yeah. Um. So I think I think that's super important is that everyone's going to have opinions and just be aware that they're going to tell you how to handle it or what to do or or whatever. And that's not always going to be the solution for you. So don't. I mean, mess around with it if you want. Depending on what the advice is, it's usually shit. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Don't feel bad or pressured to do whatever Joe Schmo is telling you, right? Because I feel like that comes up a lot in these situations and then people get themselves in more trouble. They're like, oh, yeah, just bring him out and keep him on leash. And it's like, well, if he's leash reactive, that's going to make it worse. So so there's just a lot of caveats and nobody can tell you what's going to work for your dog unless they're a trainer and they're working with your dog. So. There it is. I do that. Yeah, there's lots of like blanket tips that like, oh, this generally works for a lot of dogs. But yeah, yeah, you know, your dog is the only one of your dog, you know, so you have to work with that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, that's a really good. Um, I keep thinking about Olive in this situation because she hates everybody. Uh, she's one of my clients and we we probably had four or five sessions and I still couldn't get anywhere near her. Like she was she hated me she hated everybody <laughs> and i would never normally put a dog in a kennel because obviously to me that that's okay now you're more trapped that's not going to help us that was the only way i could get anywhere near her. if i put her in if her mom put her in the kennel and i got her out she was fine with me but if she was on leash or loose she would come after me no matter what no matter how many times she met me didn't matter um but the kennel was like the for some reason what made it work (laughs) and as soon as i got her out of the kennel we were friends and she never looked twice at me again um and i would have never i came up with that out of desperation because i would never advise anybody to put their dog in a kennel and have a stranger get it out because that sounds like a fucking disaster (laughs) but for olive for whatever reason that's what worked um so yeah i mean it's every dog is an individual and don't get too hung up on somebody telling you that something's gonna work if it doesn't work right yep 
and try not to get anybody bit in the process yes (laughs) i don't want to do this transition you can do it okay So there's some information about some things that you can do if your dog hates visitors. We will take a break here, and when we get back, we are going to end with a dog myth. Final margarita check. I feel like you're not drinking as much as I am. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) <laughs> I got myself like a little snack and it just, the flavors don't mesh with the margarita. Mm. So I'm just taking yeah. less sips of it. That is a problem. Mm-hmm. I have the same issue with beer all the time. I Beer, as soon as I'm eating food, beer no longer tastes good. Huh. I don't know. It harshes my mellow every time. Um, I, My margarita is pretty much gone. <laughs> <laughs> I do really like mine. It just isn't going with this... Uh, little snack that i made myself but i like it a lot i will finish it when i'm done with my food now i'm hungry (laughs) you made me hungry now yeah mine's pretty much gone i'm trying to get the last little bit i keep going back and forth i switched to crushed ice because i felt like that worked better ice in general just seems to fuck up my marks for whatever reason weird maybe it's just the mark glass like the bottom you guys can't see this, but she can. <laughs> uh, the bottom, as always, still has liquid, but like I have to really work to get to the bottom of my glass. Maybe we should get you a new margarita glass. I should probably just give up on the margarita glass and drink like a normal human being, but <laughs> you know, themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, our final segment, we are going to do a myth because I feel like it's been a long time since we've done a myth. And this one was recommended. Yeah, if we are not good. intentional about it, we are only going to do rants. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I ain't mad about it. Um, yeah, we got stuck in the rant segment one, Q&A segment four for a while. <laughs> I just like them. They're my favorite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my friend Angela mentioned having a conversation um, about whether or not dogs need yards or big yards. Um, and even if they have one that they still need exercise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so no, a dog does not have to have a yard, even if they're high energy, a, a yard is not exercising your dog for you. So it's unnecessary. <laughs> but um, don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Myth dispelled. Um, I felt really Harry Potter for a second. <laughs> Needed a wand to say that. Um, don't get me wrong. Having a big yard is awesome. I love it. It's a deal breaker for me every single time I move. Uh, and I literally grew up on the rule that I could not have a dog until I had a yard. Uh, by 23, I broke that rule, but that's not the point. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) However, since your dog is not going to go outside and exercise themselves in your yard, it's really not necessary. It's just more of a convenience. Um, I personally would want to kill myself if I didn't have a yard, but it doesn't mean it's necessary. (laughs) It just means I'm lazy. Um, (laughs) Coming from the rescue side of things, it really drives me bonkers when adoption applications list that having a yard is a qualification that's required. And you see it all the time. No apartments, must have a yard. Uh, And sometimes, like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, if you're doing it based on the individual dog, that's fine. But, like... Um, there's a rescue in town, uh, that literally, it, that's a rule. If you don't have a yard, you cannot have one of their dogs, period. End of story. That sucks. And it's like, what, bro? <laughs> I'm sure they're, they're not the only ones, but that's the one. Like, there was literally a vet tech that they work with and, like, had worked with for years that wanted to adopt one of their dogs and they had denied her because she had a townhouse with no yard. Oh, my God. And I'm like, you've known this girl for years. She has another... Uh, breed of dog that it's a breed specific rescue she has another one of those dogs like she can clearly handle it like she's close to you guys and you still denied her because she doesn't have a yard <laughs> she actively has that breed without a yard now like what are you what are you concerned about what's the breed um yeah it bothers the shit out of me Uh, It's just so ridiculous. And in my experience, dogs with yards actually end up getting less exercise because 
people like me exist and we're lazy and we don't have to take the dog out, right? Um, I think becoming a dog that never leaves the house is much worse than a dog living in an apartment getting out a half dozen times a day, right? Um, Charlie is my highest energy dog. He's an absolute nutcase, but he doesn't spend any time in my yard. (laughs) He could care less about the yard. He has no interest. Uh, so yeah, yards are not necessary. Uh, if you don't have a yard, that doesn't mean you can't get a dog. Uh, it does make your life easier, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I know just as many people, uh, that have yards and don't exercise their dogs as I do people that live in apartments, but are fucking marathon runners or some shit. Like it's all subjective. Yeah. I, I love my yard. I've always loved having a yard for my dogs because, um, again, like Laura said, like I'm lazy. I would rather just kind of let them out for their potty breaks and not have to leash them up for that whole ordeal, you know? But um, but I have found that people with yards tend to not be as intentional about exercise, including me. I'll just be honest. Because they feel like they don't need to be intentional about exercise. And like Laura said, your dog will not just exercise themselves in the yard. It just – it won't happen. They might go out there and do zoomies, but – it's not helpful to tire them out for them to do zoomies in the yard because if zoomies are happening for more than a couple minutes, it's probably just them being bored and I would throw down money on that. <laughs> but um, one of the huge benefits of exercise outside the home or the yard is also the enrichment of like new smells and new environments and whatever. And so your dog will get enrichment to your yard up to a certain point. But once they're used to all the smells and the sounds and the sights and whatever, like it's not very much enrichment for them. So they're not really getting enrichment or physical exercise if you're just letting them out in the yard for hours at a time yeah i think about that a lot because i don't uh my dogs don't get regular walks uh we have a treadmill and we do a lot of mental and all of that but i when you have eight to ten dogs you don't generally have time to walk them uh, <laughs> um um and so that's something that comes up a lot even with my clients as well is like if you have a super high energy walk a uh, dog sorry we're almost done (laughs) if you have a super high energy dog a walk is really nothing to them even if you're doing a couple miles like if you have a high energy dog walking a couple miles on leash ain't doing shit for them uh exercise wise yeah mentally it's still a great enrichment tool and it took me a long time to even understand that myself because i was always like bro you have a fucking german shepherd your two mile morning walks ain't doing shit get your get it together right um and i and i wasn't saying that to negate the walk they still need that walk it's still great for them it's still a great exercise but they need hard exercise and a walk is not hard exercise right right um so that's definitely something to consider because i literally i have clients that they're like he goes on three walks a day and they're a mile each and i'm like and that's a really fun snack (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's not like that's great. I'm not saying to stop doing that, but that's not going to cut down his energy because that is not what that is. Yep. And we have talked about this before, but like, you know, if you're going on three mile long walks with your dog every day, now you just have a dog who needs three one mile long walks (laughs) (laughs) to be at a base level of functionality. So yeah. And that's, I mean, we don't even need to get back into the mental and physical uh, tandem thing, but um. Yeah. Your dog doesn't need a yard. Your dog Mm -hmm. needs individualized exercise and mental enrichment. Yep. There are things that are great about a yard, but it's not Go get yourself in an apartment. (laughs) God, I would rather die. Uh (laughs) I am never sharing walls again. Like, I will not do it. I can't even fathom. (laughs) Right now, I can stand anywhere in my house and look out any window and not see another human being and that's how i want to live the rest that's of my life dream. that's the fucking dream isn't it oh man mm-hmm. anyways <laughs> so are we done is that it i think we're done i think we're Great. done now I think, I think we're as far gone as we can be while still doing this. <laughs> I think that about wraps it up. Our 19th episode is ready to be let out of the kennel. You can find me on Instagram at MissLilliesDogs.com or on my website, MissLilly... No. Nope. <laughs> Here we go. You can find me on my Instagram 
at Miss Lily's Dogs, or on my website, MissLilliesDogs.com, or my online trading platform, Patreon.com slash Dogs. And you can find me on Instagram at LV. <laughs> <laughs> How did that feel? Oh, um, uh, <laughs> and you can find me on Instagram at properpupperslv and my website properpupperslv.com. In our next episode, we will be drinking pomegranate margaritas, which I'm so excited for, <laughs> and talking about training equipment. Boo. Yeah, that makes me, <laughs> it gives me a pause just to say it. Uh, <laughs> Next time on the Doggeritaville podcast. Woohoo! Thanks for listening to Doggeritaville. Send us an email at doggeritaville at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram at doggeritaville. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to see covered or if there are any margaritas you want us to try. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, give your dog a treat from us. <laughs>